you know a lot of people listening to this are going to assume that you're pro israel yes you are pro israel i am explain to me why i shouldn't be pro palestine israel gives a 10 minute warning and they demand peace there's a lot of pro palestine people watching this asking you how you know that you tell me rani how many of these friends of yours sharing all these instagram stories will not at least attempt to free the other person if held hostage do i shoot risking your cousin's life to save myself or do i just put my hands up and say kill me i am jesus christ crucify me i die for the whole world do you think that there's propaganda that spread in favor of israel as well of course there's a propaganda spread in favor of israel all the time my heart goes towards palestine civilians children women do not deserve to die at all i have an israeli friend who actually got murdered shot so badly by the hamas militants that they couldn't recognize his body you should be pro palestine i am pro israel but i am pro palestine but being pro palestine is not being pro hamas is not being pro terror no matter what you say now there's a whole section of the audience that's just categorized you as pro israel and anti muslim yeah which is a lot of the pro palestine argument on social media that 50% of the deaths are children why should kids be a part of a political conflict i'm trying to approach this from as neutral a perspective as i possibly can go this is not a pro israel statement this is a statement from the perspective of trying to learn more you're going to get abused very bad for this podcast yeah that's fine I'm completely aware of how sensitive an issue this whole Israel Palestine situation is my intention with every single episode that we create on TRS is to bring you a very neutral very objective perspective but I do believe in listening to subject experts my request is that you please listen to this episode till the end More importantly you listen to the sequel episode which is much more about the history of Israel and Palestine. I feel only at the end of these two episodes can you truly form an opinion about the situation. So be patient with this episode. Do share this episode as much as possible. The news or even social media is never going to show you the entire truth. That's just how old media works. But it's the age of new media, it's the age of podcasts. and TRS is here with one of India's foremost geopolitical experts he holds a masters degree in political science and international relations he's one of the most qualified people to talk about international conflict he's been on the show earlier he's a legend of the indian podcasting space his name is abhijit ayer mitra and he's one of my absolute favorite people to speak to on the show so enjoy this episode and i hope that i was able to do justice to this as a podcast i'd love to hear your feedback at the end but for now sit back and let's learn together This is the India perspective on the Israel Palestine war. We have Abhijit Ayer Mitra with us. Welcome back to TRS. Thanks man. It's always fun being on your podcast. Likewise, you're one of the guests I look forward to the most uh because of all the data that's retained but also the flow of the conversation. Hmm. I always enjoy talking to you kyunki mere ko maza aata hai. No no, I'm I glad. don't know if tere ko maza aata hai but you have no idea how much. Theek. Um and I mean with anyone who we repeat on the show it's usually because it's great conversations and i think actually a lot of teenagers college students hell even adults people are parents as age are actually consuming podcasts now for the sake of conversation and learning the truth Lovely. um let me begin this israel palestine situation with 
a pertinent question are we seeing the truth on the news you're not seeing the truth on the news but you are seeing the truth on social media and i'll tell you why i think after elon musk removed all these uh, you know content filters and uh, uh, god knows how many 20 million people they employed to do content moderation we are now seeing unfiltered news from the ground come through uh so it's almost like doing primary source intelligence you know primary mm. source research which is much better than news which is always tainted with an editorial angle ki you know we have to show you this we can't show you this we don't want to show you this or we're going to spin it this way so i have not ever since twitter got freed i'm really not even watching the news if uh, i i like go to a news website to see what the latest thing happening is and then i just go to twitter to follow primary sources and see what's happening on the ground out there uh the big reason that i believe podcasts are taking off on a worldwide scale is because of the concept of steel manning yeah steel manning basically means taking a topic putting forth your perspective also putting forth the positives of the perspective that's supposedly against your own so there is no black and white it's all a spectrum of gray and you try landing up on the right shade of gray through conversation now this is not possible on the news this is why podcasting has taken off this is why joe rogan and lex friedman and all these guys have careers that they steal man arguments which is what i want to begin israel palestine and this whole situation with my heart goes towards palestine in terms of hmm civilians children women do not deserve to die at all uh this is you know men at war political leaders at war right uh now parallelly i have an israeli friend who actually got murdered in this music concert okay and i knew him for a very very long time he was shot so badly by the hamas militants that they couldn't recognize his body yeah um family is going through hell right now um so when you when you hear all these situations again you don't land up on either side you just face the brutality of war and you try steel manning arguments yeah uh so the whole purpose of this conversation is to give you a very structured steel manned approach i'd love to hear what you think of everything that i said right now and your own opinion of course so let's start with first the hindu affection for israel yeah right uh some of it is but remember the um Am I allowed to use a swear word? Go for it. Uh if you're one of those assholes who are like, "Yeah man, I support Israel because they're killing Muslims." That is a small percentage of Hindus. Um I can tell you I'm right wing and on my timeline I've only seen one or two schmucks who have said that and I've unfollowed them because that's not the you kind mean. of friend that I want to have. Yeah. 99.99% of the people and by the way those are the two people that places like bbc or al jazeera will take as a representative of all indian hindus mm. okay um 99.99% of the people on my timeline which is quite right wing do not think that they have a great deal of sympathy for the average palestinian and their anger is that hamas is using women and children as human shields okay which they are because remember if you look at the pr war out here the military war you can't overcome israel israel is an absolute superpower in the region everybody in that region has tried to take down israel and they've all failed very miserably and paid a very heavy price for it 
they are doing and you know how those reels and instagram reels and things target your heart their strategy is to see to it israel kills as many women and children as possible so as to target your heart so that your heart takes over from your brain for israel it is bad pr to kill so israel actually first of all they don't have a bloodlust to kill second it is bad pr for them because every palestinian ch- woman or child killed hurts their cause whereas every palestinian woman or child killed increases hamas's support base it helps hamas's a pr argument see they can't counter israel militarily so they counter israel pr wise that's how things play out and you know it's natural human instinct you tell me who will not support the underdog okay except the problem is we think of this as the underdog they are technically the pr overdog uh, hamas is and israel is the pr underdog number 1 uh, number 2 let's get back to hindus uh what hindus see is that you know where what vs naipaul called a deeply wounded civilization uh, you know we've been colonized for the last 1000 years uh, it's been massacre after massacre after massacre after massacre uh, there is not a single old uh, temple standing in north india all the old temples are in the south there's nothing left standing in north india uh, that's more than a few hundred years old unless they were lost like khajuraho was lost in the forests and things like that uh, they are not uh, you've in our own lifetimes we've seen the ethnic cleansing of kashmiri pandits in kashmir uh, we've seen uh, uh, what is essentially a, a sort of denial of rights to mighty tribals in manipur happen right now in the same year that all of this has happened uh there is anger and there is this feeling that israel is kindred but it it stands up for itself the average hindu is like the jew before the holocaust you know the jew before the holocaust was the good jew that everybody liked he didn't take a pistol and go shoot he didn't stand up for himself when he was sent to the gas chamber he went like a cow to the slaughter you know you know how cows are killed no they put a pressure gun to the head and the um steel jack goes right through the brain it essentially causes the brain to explode and the cow dies immediately and uh that is their idea of a good jew and what they do to the good jew is kill the good jew okay uh but after the holocaust they realized they couldn't continue like this you know the biggest supporters who uh i won't say supporters but the big, the the loudest voice saying hitler wasn't going to kill jews were in fact german jews they said you know this guy's he's not really going to say what he does but he did we all know he did so there was a civilization a community change that happened in their mindset what the rest of the world seems to want is for the jew to go back to being that good jew who just dies when you tell him to die and they're not going to do that and hindus there is a lot of frustration in feeling that you know where the good hindus where the democratic lovely multicultural state that the new york times and washington post used to love as long as we were ready to get butchered and the moment we stand up for ourselves we're fascist nazis who uh, should essentially be looked at as the third reich and be bombed in and divided up like east and west germany where under two or four different zones of influence uh, that doesn't work second it is much deeper cultural ties remember because you know israel is a jewish state it's the only jewish state and a religion born from there called christianity 
Jesus Christ wasn't a Christian. He was a Jew. Uh, but Christianity became the dominant religion in the West. But the point of origin remained Jewish. Similarly, India, the point of origin remained Hindu, but we spawned. Hinduism spawned a religion called Buddhism, which took over the East. But the point of origin remained uh, Hindu. So there is that similarity. The third similarity is you see that the diaspora of both, the, you know, there's this concept of the Hindu in America. After Protestant Catholic marriages, Hindu Jewish marriages are the highest. Why? Because we are both urban, peaceful communities that don't go around rioting and burning things on the street. Uh, very educated, focus on, uh, you know, uh, 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 family, uh, being peaceful, doing things through the law, etc., etc. There is a reason that Hindus and Jews have the highest per capita incomes of any diaspora anywhere in the world. Uh, the fourth reason behind all of this is the fact that, you know, we've never had anti-Semitism in this country. We don't know what it is to hate a Jew. So, you know, many Jews who come to India get upset that, you know, sometimes... Oh, like a lot of my Jewish, my Israeli friends would come here and, oh, you're Israeli. And like, what the hell, dude? He's not being anti-Semitic. We don't know what it is to be anti-Semitic in India. So we don't even understand what the gravity of Hitler is to the Jewish mind. I'll tell you why. In the Christian world, the Jew is the person who killed Jesus. They are God killers. They're literally the Asura who killed the Devas or whatever, right? And mind you, this was a rhetorical device. Anything in, if you look at Pontius Pilate's record in Judea, in the Roman province of Judea, uh, it'll show you that he was an absolutely nasty character uh, who would have had absolutely no compunctions ordering this rebel who was becoming a law and order problem to be crucified. Uh but when the Christian canon was written, the whole point of early Christianity was to co-opt the Roman state. So they wanted to absolve Rome, the Roman Empire of guilt, and pass that guilt off onto other Jewish, because Christianity is a Jewish faction. Remember that. They wanted to pass it off onto all the rival factions and blame them for it. So, you know, Rome didn't do it. Pontius Pilate washes his hands, and it is the, uh, 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 what's it called? The... Uh, was it called the Knesset in those days? The rabbinate. The rabbinate that decided to, I think it's called something Hagedullah. I forget. Isn't the uh, equivalent of the, uh, what's the Christian one called? The the the, the Roman Curia, I yeah. guess. Uh, the Papal Curia. Uh, kind of like that. The like the, 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 the Supreme uh, uh, Council of uh, um, uh, Priests. The religious governance. Right. And uh, the religious governance body uh, that sentenced him. Teak. So they have always carried this burden of being the ones who killed our God. And they have been targeted for it. The second problem is both Islam and Christianity did not allow finance, did not allow usury, which is to say interest taking. Right? So the only people allowed to take interest were the Jews. Now, every time you wanted to, uh, I've taken 12 years worth of debts from you. I now realize I can't pay it back. What do I do? Uh, I can't pay it back. I'm not going to allow you to destroy my life by taking over my property. So I say, Ranveer Allahabadiya, or in this case, let's give you a Jewish name. Let's call you uh, Yaakov Finkelstein. Uh, Yaakov Finkelstein uh, kidnapped uh, uh, my maid's baby 
and drank his blood in his satanic god-killing rituals, demonic rituals. And so, remember, in pre-industrial societies, riots happen like that. You spark off a uh, rumor, rumor, it leads to a riot. They would all come and they would butcher your family and my debt is clean. So this whole concept of blood libel, that you shed the blood of Christ and therefore you should be killed for you are, you're not demons, but you're not much closer either, was developed as a means of first making them do all the finance and then you couldn't pay back your debts to kill them off. Right? It was a very sick, sadistic way of running things. Now, remember, in the Muslim world also, you are not allowed to do finance. And so a lot of the financial duties again fell on the Jews and the same dynamics would overtake it. The difference was, uh, it, it is not fair to say that the Muslim world wasn't anti-Semitic. The Muslim world was deeply anti-Semitic because the same dynamics of finance, you don't want to do finance and you want to kill off your, uh, your creditor. Um, but... The Jews didn't kill the Muslim God. Therefore, it was slightly of a, of a slightly less caliber than what you saw in Christian Europe. right? And this is how this whole Jew hate plays out. So you see chronic anti-Semitism. But for Hindus, I mean, when has interest-taking been wrong? You know, we, we don't look at these things. So Jews could do, when they came here, they could do whatever they wanted. You want to be a fisherman? Do it. You want to do banking or finance? Do it. You want to become the uh, chief minister? There were Jewish chief ministers to uh, and prime ministers to several of the kings along the West Coast and things. Do it. Who's stopping you? Uh, so, you know, there was no restrictions on them. And there's no killing of the God. There is So, so you know, the sociological reasons for Jew hatred never existed in India. And for that reason, we don't even understand what Hitler did. Because I can tell you, being an, uh, I, I was a CBSE student, so Central Board of Secondary Education. And you know how much was taught to us about the Holocaust? Exactly one line. Uh, the Holocaust happened and, uh, the, and Germany killed off about 5 million Jews. It was literally one sentence, one line. And, you know, this is CBSE, which is a much more globally integrated curriculum. The states and things like that have no idea out there. And, you know, the Tamil Nadu board under the ADMK actually had some lines praising Hitler. Um, it was embarrassing, but the point is you don't know what Hitler did. So somebody looking at Hitler on balance, where there's just one line about the Holocaust, but then there's all this thing about how he built up Germany's honor and this and that and whatever nonsense. Like for those of us who have read about the Holocaust, you know, okay, so these are all small things and mass murder, especially that kind of sadistic mass murder is that big. But for an average Indian who hasn't even traveled abroad, low per capita income, how, how do you tell that difference? So, you know, it's, but that is not what Al Jazeera sees. They do something very mischievous. The same way blood libel is put on to Jews in the Christian world, and now the Muslims have also adopted blood libel. They've started making up stories of how Jews kidnap a Muslim martyr child and uh, drink its blood for their rituals and things like that. Al Jazeera does that to Hindus. They take the two Hindus saying, yeah, man, go bomb Muslims. Like every religion has its assholes, man. I can show you Jewish assholes. There were assholes uh, uh, that who I saw on Twitter who were pissing on the bodies of uh, uh, Hamas killed. But that doesn't define Israel or a Jew. 
that is a shitty Jew uh, who exist, uh, there are shitty Indians who exist. Just because somebody, uh, uh, we have rapes and murders in India, doesn't mean all Indians are rapists and murderers. Na? So we have pedophiles in India, that doesn't make all Indians pedophiles. But that is what Al Jazeera wants to stereotype and do it. So Al Jazeera is actually an absolute mirror of the Jew who is pissing on the Hamas bodies and the guys on Twitter who are saying go uh, uh, kill Gazans because they're Muslim. So this is one part, which is the Hindu part. What do you make of like the current situation in terms of, I mean, a very raw way of asking you this is which side are you on? Right. And uh, sorry, it was the Muslim side as well. We, 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 we want to discuss Hindus and then Indian Muslims and then which side am I on? Yeah. Teak. Um, so now let's talk about Indian Muslims, right? Uh, there is an increasing feeling amongst Indian Muslims, or at least the Muslims who are visible and heard, that they are uh, persecuted in India, okay? That there is an imminent genocide going to happen and what happened in Germany is going to happen to, what happened to Jews in Germany is going to happen to them. They have been fed a whole load of codswallop uh, about the origin of Israel, which we're going to talk about later, and how there's a colonial project and, uh, you know, it's, now, remember the average Indian, how many protests, Ranveer, have you seen on the street since this thing broke out? Nothing, no? So there is a huge discord between what we're told is the Indian Muslim opinion, which you see with English-speaking and politically important Muslims on Instagram and Twitter, which you're not seeing translated on the ground out here. Uh, there isn't, you know, uh, riots happening and things like that. You remember that during the Danish cartoons, people were burning Yilansposten and uh, uh, all of that. We're not seeing that here this time. Uh, why is that? So, you know, I think the average Muslim basically doesn't care what's happening out there because their lives are, you know, they're working. They're working people. They don't have time to come out and do, uh, you know, protests and all that crap. So it's, it's I do accept that for the entire, for the high disposable income, uh, significant spare time Indian Muslim who has time to post on Instagram, this is an issue because they are connected with the world and they see uh, sort of religious justification. There is an ummah, you know, the Muslim, the global Muslim uh, feeling of fraternity and brotherhood that should exist, which means they should speak about this too. Uh, they should speak about uh, fellow Muslims being slaughtered by Israel. And again, we come to the point. In India, we have the lowest possible knowledge of what is happening in Palestine and Israel because we keep getting so much propaganda out here. Who's actually going to sit down and do a historical deep dive? Right. Uh, nobody wants to do historical deep dive. They all want these sort of 15 seconds. What's your hot take on this, bro? And then that's it. So this is part two. The... Uh, Indian Muslim. Do you think that there's propaganda that's spread in favor of Israel as well? Of course. There's a propaganda spread in favor of Israel all the time. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I tell me one country that doesn't do propaganda. I mean, Israel would be stupid when it's being attacked to not be doing a propaganda, not have a propaganda up in PR division and being, uh, you know, uh, doing what it needs to to uh, get a better name for itself. But all people do propaganda. You know, a lot of people listening to this are going to assume from here on in this conversation that you're pro-Israel. Yes. 
you are pro israel i am because on balance you know i can't sit around and accept that you will not condemn terrorists going around torturing raping and killing women and children and non combatant men okay i j- i just want to pause you there for a second if someone knows you in person or has consumed enough of your content uh you are someone who steal man's arguments like you break down things you see it from a 360 yeah. degree perspective yeah. i personally don't know anyone who studies as much as you maybe abhijit chawda you know you're on that kind of realm of just the quantum of information you absorb um now currently as it stands based on what i've seen on my friends social media i have a dear friend alia eliasi i have so many other friends who keep sharing pro palestinian stuff uh when i see it one my heart breaks because the pr hits me in the heart yeah that palestinian kids arab kids are dying arab women are dying etc and then there's a part of me as a podcaster which has spoken to enough subject experts to know that hey the news that you see on social media also sometimes can be morphed to make you feel a certain way or Bitcoin. entire narratives are not given absolutely uh, so what i'm going to request you to do is explain to me why i shouldn't be pro palestine because currently no, no, you should be pro palestine i am i am pro i am pro israel but i am pro palestine i want to see a two two state solution with a palestine that lives in peace with itself and peace with the outside world okay but being pro palestine is not being pro hamas being pro palestine is not being pro terror being a pro two state solution is not being pro raping and killing women and children i think we need to make that distinction okay we can always condemn the killing and this is where the shades of gray come in again uh Hamas is using Palestinian women and children as shields. In Israel you will never see a military facility co-located with a civilian facility. Military facilities will be kept far away from civilian facilities so that even when uh if some catastrophic war happens and a military facility gets bombed the people get saved. In Gaza the military facilities are deliberately kept under civilian facilities under schools under hospitals under uh, uh, colleges uh in civilian buildings civilian residential high rises where is the steel man here where is the shade of gray here see if if uh you know um i come and stab you where is the shade of gray in i empathize with ranveer for getting stabbed but i empathize with abhijit for being abhijit is also victim because he was a victim of circumstances who stabbed ranveer it doesn't work that way right i think we need to separate uh terrorism hamas and this cult of brutality and essentially what is a death cult from the average palestinian now i've actually spent 10 days in gaza and when uh this was in what 2014 15 some sometime around that time um the west bank is different because west bank you know i go in for a day come out i set up meetings go and meet people come out it, it's very easy to go in and out of the west bank uh, gaza it isn't because of hamas um now what ends up happening out there is it's such a dysfunctional society people live in fear it's a small strip people don't realize this it's 1/4 the size of delhi you know it's uh 
it's say the length of Bombay, the peninsula of Bombay. If you draw the length of the peninsula of Bombay and about seven kilometers wide, it's about that much. So, you know, basically the Worley Sea Link, when you're going over the Worley Sea Link, if you see the width of the bay that it covers, think of that wide, but about uh, 50, 60 kilometers long. Okay, that's it. It's the size of the Bombay Peninsula. Bombay is much bigger than Gaza. Small place, uh, 2.5 million people. So it's not as densely populated as Indian cities are, but for the West it is. There are so many factions out there. There has only been one government, a Hamas government, which has never held elections. The average Palestinian doesn't even get to decide uh, if they are satisfied or not satisfied with the government. You tell me 17, 18 years under a blockade, not being able to travel in and out or whatever. And that's incidentally fake. They do actually get to travel a lot. I'll, we'll talk about that when we uh, talk about their jobs and how this attack was carried out. Uh, for there to be absolutely no dissent against your government, give me a break. That is not normal. This does not happen in normal countries where there is zero dissent and everybody's like super happy with your leadership and they think they're great heroes fighting the resistance battle. No. I have seen fear in the eyes of Palestinian women uh, for their children. Uh, I have also seen that fear come out in deep conversations over hours, but it doesn't come out immediately. Uh, it is very subcutaneous because if those fears are expressed in publicly, it leads to nasty consequences for you and your family. Uh, Hamas is not nice to its own people. Uh, and he, this is, you know, where, because you or me, watching what Israel is doing, nobody likes, unless you're very sick in the mind, you don't like watching buildings being blown, hospitals being blown, empty hospitals mostly, by the way, uh, because Israel gives a 10-minute warning. They do a tap, which is your signal, get out. You have 10 minutes to get out and then they bomb the place. You, there's a lot of pro-Palestine people watching this asking you how you know that. I know that because I've seen it. I've seen the uh, remote video footage of what that tap looks like. I've spoken to Gazans who all know what that tap sounds like uh, or what it's meant to be. They are all sent SMSs because I've seen uh, those SMSs. I wasn't there when any bombing took place, so I haven't seen it firsthand, but I've seen those SMSs on their phones. And, you know, and the very surprising part of that conversation is they'll deny ever getting any SMSs. They'll deny ever getting a warning and they'll say, you know, oh, they just uh, uh, bombed us and my cousin died, became Shaheed. And then, you know, over two, three days when you've warmed them up, they can slowly open up to you. You get to see their phones. I don't read Arabic very well. I have very rudimentary knowledge of Arabic. Uh, but it is a warning that has been SMSed to them uh, from the Israeli military saying, your house has been targeted get out. You have so many minutes to get out. I forget now, is it seven minutes or 10 minutes? I think it's seven, maybe not 10, uh, to get out. And that was based on a calculation that this was explained to me that seven is enough for the people to evacuate, but not for the equipment and the ammunition stored there to be evacuated. And it's enough for the person to run far away enough so that the secondary detonation of the ammunition in there uh, doesn't harm them. Um, so it's, it's a very well-practiced routine, right? Um, so here's the thing, is, is there collective punishment happening? Yes, but they want you to look at this as collective punishment in isolation. The problem is there is hostage taking 
it's not just Israelis who are held hostage. It is the vast majority of the Gazan population that is being held as a human shield hostage by Hamas. Supporting Hamas is Islamophobia. Hamas are not Muslims. They are, uh, they are what you'd call uh, 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 Ibn Shaitan, Ibn Iblis, which are the names for the demon and the devil. They are the sons and daughters of devils. They are not Muslims. Let's be clear about that. If you think they are Muslims, that they are fighting for a Muslim cause, you are sick. Uh, no Muslim will hold a fellow Muslim woman and child as a hostage. And if you think it is legit, then there's something very wrong with you. They hold them hostage. They hold the Palestinian population hostage deliberately. Now, assume you are the one holding somebody hostage. Uh, say, uh, your cousin. You're holding him hostage because I want to kill you, but I don't, I have no fight with your cousin, right? What do I do? I know holding your cousin, you have a gun, which you're pointing at your cousin right now, threatening to shoot if I come. But if I lower my guard, you're going to shoot me through the head. Do I shoot risking your cousin's life to save myself? Or do I just put my hands up and say, kill me. I am Jesus Christ. Crucify me. I die for the whole world. You know, Jesus wasn't, he was kind of rejected by most Jews for a reason. And this turn the other cheek, uh, you know, it's, it's fantastic in books, but it never works out in practice. See, he said, turn the other cheek when somebody slaps you. He didn't say, show them the other side of your rib cage if somebody, uh, 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 pierces you with a spear. And as far as I remember, when he was pierced with a, sphere, uh, with, with a spear on the cross, he didn't turn around and show the other side of his ribs, did he? The, you know, there are all these sort of rhetorically lovely philosophical bullshit that you hear, you know, like Gandhi. Uh, uh, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. But look, I mean, I pluck out one eye of yours, you pluck out one eye of mine, then I pluck out the second eye of yours, you're already blind. And you know, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So I've won. An eye for an eye does not make the whole world blind. And if I'm attacking you now, I pluck out both your eyes first. You've got nothing left to do. Uh, you might try, but you won't be able to succeed till you learn, you know, uh, ninja style, um, uh, blind man, uh, blindfolded, uh, ranging and uh, the things that you see in superhero movies. It doesn't happen. So all these... Um, uh, sayings, they're fantastic. They don't work in real life. I would just ask your friends who are pro-Palestine to examine their own self-beliefs. What are you? Are you pro the Palestinian people? Are you pro Hamas? Are you... Uh, uh, because Hamas, I can guarantee you, is not pro-Palestinian. And why do I say that? I think it's very important we examine why Hamas is not pro-Palestinian and why did we get to this stage? What is the history out here? See, the Palestinian Authority, which is formerly the PLO and the Fatah faction, after like 40, 50 years of running a guerrilla campaign and terrorism and whatnot, they finally agreed to sit down with Israel and talk. Hamas refuses to even talk. They don't want a two-state solution. They want the whole of Palestine what is today Israel. And their chant is from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is basically a call for genocide. Okay, because the river is the Jordan River and the sea is the Mediterranean. So all the Jews are to be pushed out into the sea. You'll, you'll keep hearing this. Tell me, how do you sit down and talk to somebody who refuses to talk to you?
Okay, then Israel did make, uh, you know, uh, uh, when there were kibbutzes out there, there was very significant agricultural employment. You can go check out the Peel report, which came out in the 1930s, I think, which showed that it was actually Jew Jewish migration, which significantly improved the employment and the uh, 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 arability of land and everything out there, but it led to greater social tension. You know why? Because them coming and enabling people and making them richer through employment threatened the feudal power structures out there, which is incidentally, you see that in India as well. One of the very smart things Modi is doing is giving Muslims education, toilets and electricity and things, which are making them less dependent on the feudal leaders who have the who they've depended for. And those feudal leaders, just like Hamas, condomize their own population. They send them out for riots to die. When to sort out those riots, you have to make a deal with the leader and give him property or give him uh, uh, two, three uh, Lok Sabha seats or Rajya Sabha seats or whatever. Power, like you said. And uh, this is the problem of a feudal power structure which has not modernized. And what you see, I think Indians, an international audience won't be able to relate to this because, you know, an international audience is fed with Indian propaganda because you asked me about Israeli propaganda. Indian propaganda that with this shining new IT power, you know, which is leapfrogged. People don't want to look at the nasty rural India, pre-industrial India, which hasn't changed since the 7th or 8th centuries. It's 7th century or 13th century India still exists if you go far enough outside of Bombay, outside of Delhi and places like that. So I would really urge the people who are pro-Palestine, be pro-Palestine, sure. But that shouldn't prevent you from being able to condemn what Hamas does. That shouldn't be able to, and sure, uh, condemn Israel when it kills women and children deliberately. Do not take it out of context. When somebody is holding their own people hostage, if the Israelis shoot, what you tell me, Ranbir, tell me how many of these friends of yours sharing all these Instagram stories will not at least attempt to free the other person if held hostage, which you know they're going to die. You know, it's very easily said, but when it push comes to shove, I'm sure the reactions are going to be very different. I can tell you, honestly, if, if I was in that situation, I would do what the Israelis do and shoot. Okay, I'm not going to, I'm like, sure, I'll be very upset that I killed somebody innocent, but ultimately my life is more important. I'm sorry. Uh, would they make a different decision? I don't know. But then also let's look at proportionality. Somebody has come into your country, uh, killed 1,400 people, many of them torture, raped, uh, and the Israelis generally don't talk about all of this crap because it happened right here where we are in Bombay. You remember when that a similar attack happened on 26-11-2008. Uh, they attacked the Chabad house, which is the Jewish house, and unspeakable things were done to that lady out there. It never came out in the news, but I think we, we've all known about it because we've all seen the autopsy report in private. It was, I think we've all seen it. We, we know what was done to her. The rabbi's wife. The rabbi's wife. Uh, and... All of this is done. What is a proportionate response to that? I mean, you tell me, what 
what is Israel meant to do? Okay, uh, assume, assume you, uh, you're a nice guy. You wouldn't do this crap, but let's just assume for the sake of argument. You come to my house. Um, you uh, torture, rape, kill my entire family. I don't. I mean, I have dogs which are like my children, but anyway, um, uh, you torture, rape, kill my entire family. Uh, I have a gun in my hand. The police are doing nothing. I've called them a hundred times in this case, the UN or whatever. They're, they're not doing anything. They're just saying, sir, uh, you, you manage. What am I meant to do when you're about to do to my last living child? what you've done to the rest of my family. I don't know, what, what is a proportionate response? You know, I want them to answer this question. What is a proportionate response? Uh, I've never gotten a straight answer for it. I, I will never get what is a proportionate response answer. I will never get a clear answer. There is always equivalence for do you condemn Hamas? No, but they do all of this. And then when you bring out the fact that there is that there is a fundamental moral equivalence between targeting civilians and civilians being collateral damage of human shields. Fine. I mean, by all means, you want to be partisan and criticize Israel for bombing colleges or hospitals, even if they're holding ammunition dumps. Fine. You don't want to condemn Hamas for killing Jews. Fine. Will you at least condemn Hamas for holding Palestinians as hostages? You know, no matter what you say now, yeah. Abhijita Yarmitra, there's a whole section of the audience that's just categorized you as pro-Israel and anti-Muslim. Yeah. So it's a very direct question to you. Are you anti-Muslim? No, I'm not. Explain and, how you're not anti-Muslim. Uh, I'm not anti-Muslim because I make a very clear distinction between jihadists and Muslims. Okay. I know a lot of Muslims who are very, very disgusted by what uh, 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 Hamas has done. I know a lot of Muslims who detest Hamas. You know what the problem is? They are shit scared to come out and say it openly. Why? Because it breaks down family structures. They get harassed within their social circles. They lose a lot of their social circles. Some of them are brave enough to actually come out and say it. So, you know, my friends Amna Ansari, Khalid Beg, Zahak Tanvir, all of these people. And they will immediately again be uh, classified as rented Muslims, you know, uh, paid Muslims that have sold their souls to the Hindu, uh, to the Hindu Jewish conspiracy. You know, th there's an actual term for that. Uh, uh, hunud, uh, uh, Yahud Hunud Sazish. Yahud being the Jew, Hunud being the Hindu, Sazish being conspiracy. So, you know, protocols of the elders of Zion where uh, 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 Hindus are now junior partners in the protocols. Uh, they are classified as that. But do you know how many Muslims I know who really don't want this crap, who are absolutely morally clear that what Hamas has done is reprehensible, who just won't come out because they get no support? Tomorrow, if somebody can... Uh, do you remember when the entire Nupur Sharma thing controversy broke out? Uh, people were killed in their houses just for expressing support for Nupur Sharma. There was a Muslim boy who posted saying, you know, this lady seems brave. And there was a whole crowd of Muslims that gathered outside his house. Extremist Muslims, jihadist Muslims, not just average Muslims. Uh, who gathered outside his house to do him physical harm and he had to be arrested for his own protection. Uh, the uh, Hindu tailor who was, I mean, you saw the video, his head was sliced off, had expressed support 
on a Facebook page. The police in this country, the enforcement mechanisms in this country are pathetic. We are a third world country in terms of the state's monopoly on violence. We cannot provide protection to everybody. Uh, and it is there in the West as well, where extremists, you know, they can always take over a thing because law and order is generally good out there. So there's less police in India. Law and order was never good and we have less police. The state of terror they live in, largely by their own people, pretty much, you know, the Gaza, Stockholm, not even Stockholm syndrome, they know the terror they're in. Gaza may be Stockholm syndrome, but India, they're just petrified because they will get no support. The state doesn't have the resources to protect them. Why will they go out on a limb? So I make it very clear that, you know, being anti-Hamas doesn't make you Islamophobic. Uh, in fact, being pro-Hamas makes you Islamophobic. Uh, I'm very clear that uh, you can be an Indian Muslim and a very good Indian Muslim, which is probably 90% of the population. Uh, and you can be a jihadi. You can be a radicalized jihadi. I always make it very clear. Um, I call people jihadis. I don't call them Muslims. I call them jihadis, which is again taken as Islamophobia. I think it's important to talk about the argument for the pro-Palestine side. Yes. Okay. All these friends of mine who are expressing sympathy uh, for Palestine. And it's reached that point. Like this issue has reached that point where now content creators, actors, cricketers are getting DM saying, why aren't you talking about this? We're not talking about this because Instagram is not the right place to talk about this. This is the right place to talk about this. And this is the right place to learn. Um... I'm trying to approach this from as neutral a perspective as I possibly can go towards. But uh, I know that even I'm going to be labeled of uh, on one side or the other. All I can do is deep dive into this argument and keep trying to counter you for the sake of a better... Or, or you can actually get a proponent of Palestine and we can do a three-way... Uh, after, after you get abused, you're going to get abused very badly for this podcast. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, find one of the more eloquent people who abuses you, invite him or her onto the podcast and we'll sit and do a three-way then. Who would, who would probably abuse? I don't know. But find somebody who'd abuse you and find the most eloquent person who abuses you or writes an article against you or whatever and invite them. I mean, we in India, we believe in Purva Paksha. The whole, the whole concept of Purva Paksha where somebody's most deeply held beliefs are challenged in an academic environment, not an uh, environment of viciousness. We should have that. We should have more of that. Uh, what do you think their arguments would be? Say if there was a third person you. Um their argument would be that Israel kills. Yeah, Israel kills, but let's contextualize the killing uh, like we just did. Uh, human shield versus collective punishment. See, there's, there's nothing that says, uh, you know, the Geneva Convention outlaws human shielding. It doesn't tell you what, what is right and what is wrong in the case of human shielding. Uh, the Geneva Convention... The fourth Geneva Convention uh, uh, makes collective punishment illegal, but it doesn't tell you what is collective punishment in a hostage situation or in a human shield situation, right? Uh, is firing at a hostage. So this is fundamentally two canons of international law clashing, which has not been sorted out. Collective punishment by itself is wrong. Human shielding by itself is wrong. 
But what when collective punishment is in response to human shielding? What is the argument there? What comes out on top in international law? We don't know because nobody wants to answer that difficult question. See, everybody wants their little propaganda point. Uh, what you keep getting is a lot of bad history uh, from the Palestinian side. Uh, and a lot of it comes from the fact that they can't accept that Israel is there and should exist. Once you accept that Israel is exist and, a two, and a two, accept a two-state solution, it becomes a lot easier to move forward in that conversation. But, you know, there are first principles errors in a lot of the arguments that come from there, which we'll discuss when we do the uh, 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 three-part series. Like, there's a lot happening geopolitically. Let's stick to the present and the future in this particular part one of the conversation. Uh, for people who've been living under a rock, how did this present situation begin? You want to take it forward? Well, very simple. The present situation began because Israel was complacent. They actually thought Hamas was behaving itself. Unusually good behavior for a period of almost two years. And uh, they did not expect the attack to happen. But then on the 7th and 8th of October, uh, the defenses, the border defenses were breached. And Hamas just went on a rampage in southern Israel, killing, what, 1,400-odd people. Several of them were very sadistically torture-rape-killed. And boasting about it, putting it on social media, uh, putting it on mass distribution channels. And, you know, to contextualize this in Israeli terms, 1,400 dead is like a nuclear bomb going off. In Indian terms, it's like about, what, it's... Uh, 2.8 lakhs, 280,000 people being killed. Uh, you know, it's psychologically, it's the same impact that Hiroshima and Nagasaki had on Japan. And obviously, Israel is going to respond to it, uh, which is what they're doing right now, which everybody's crying foul about. Um, the question really is, what exactly did they want Israel to do? What did they think Israel was going to do after an attack like that, like sit down, sit back and start spitting, uh, you know, singing Kumbaya and uh, knit sweaters, really. Okay. Um, again, this is a very, very long conversation. Like that, that's the only way to explain this topic. And I do definitely want to address the pro-Palestine side of things. Much more of that will happen in part two, which is about the history of that piece of land that we call Israel in the modern day. Uh, I want to just confirm certain things with you. Please correct me wherever I'm wrong. So the Hamas carry out this attack. They can't be stupid enough to think that there's going to be no retaliation from one of the world's military powers. Actually, they can. Okay. Let's also attach that narrative that we just spoke about, or I think you told me outside, which is that... Um, whole thing about children, which is a lot of the pro-Palestine uh, side of the argument on social media, that 50% of the deaths are children. Uh, what those same people who share those clips, and of course, I condemn a children's death as much as you condemn it, as much as AIM condemns it. Why should kids be a part of a political conflict? Uh, just that, you know, it was mostly the uh, uh, the fertility rate of nine, which is to say nine kids per household, was very deliberate planning in order to swamp uh, 
what is today Israel, including the occupied territories, and create a Muslim majority, and the uh, the benefit of it, the side benefit of it, was having lots of underage human shields. Okay. Again, this is a very long conversation that we have to break down much more. But to understand this further, we'll club it into part two of this conversation. Maybe to end part one, all I'm going to ask you is, where do we go from here? Um, things aren't going to change for the Palestinians in Gaza till you get rid of Hamas. They crossed a line. Okay. And this really comes down to a philosophical difference. Okay. Who is responsible? The person who is using children as human shields. We have proof that when the Israelis have been, uh, you know, dropping leaflets and sending SMSs and phone calls asking people to evacuate, Hamas actually prevents them from evacuating and tells them not to evacuate and to stay back and say that uh, Israeli evacuation orders are a disinformation campaign. You can actually see the SMSs. You can actually live see the SMSs. There are lots of videos uploaded on social media uh, that they're doing this. And I guess this is, this, for me, it's not a philosophical question, but for people who want to equivocate, it becomes a pseudo-philosophical question that I am here to demolish a house by corporation orders. You are deliberately keeping your children inside there in the hope that it will prevent me from demolishing. And in case I do demolish and the children get killed, you can sue me for murder and then negotiate with me to get my house undemolished or not, see to it that the corporation does not rescinds its order or something like that. I would hold the house owner responsible. Um, if you're related to the house owner, obviously you'll hold the corporation responsible. But the question is, I understand where the Palestinians are coming from. But if you're not a Palestinian, take a legal point of view on this. Who is putting the children in danger? Okay, for me, it's a very straightforward argument. Uh, there is unfortunately a tendency in our time to not accept responsibility for your own actions and externalize it. Everybody else is responsible for how screwed I am and I am blameless. I'm a victim of society. I'm sorry, that doesn't work. Okay, I am not woke. I don't, I detest wokes because the whole point of wokery is to not grow up and externalize your own faults onto other people. And that really is the Palestinian political mindset. It's never really grown up and it refuses to introspect. It refuses demonstrably failed tactics. They refuse to change. What do you do? You learn about the history of Israel in the next episode. Yes. That's all you can do. I think there's a lot of pro-Palestine people who are not familiar with the history of Israel. It's a very key part of this whole argument. Please understand that anything you see on the news, anything you see on social media, uh, there are multiple aspects to that argument. This is not a pro-Israel statement. This is a statement from the perspective of trying to learn more, which you, me, and AIM will do in part two of this conversation. AIM, thank you. Uh, thank you for explaining it the way you did. But I think part two is where the meat lies because whatever is happening today has happened because of whatever happened in the past. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it'll also determine the future. Um, so I just hope, which is something the Middle East never learns, I think, is 
let's learn from our own history you know and to learn from history you first need to have an accurate history all right we will see you in part 2 thank, thank you. you so that was the episode for today please feel free to drop in any feedback on my instagram dms in the comment section on youtube this is one of those topics where we have to bring someone who's pro palestine to actually debate with an opinion like the one that aim had part 2 will be about the history of this conflict the history of this region um both these parts were extremely heavy for me to do that's why i hope i did justice at least to a certain degree i'm very open to bringing on anyone who is qualified and who's capable of speaking in favor of palestine in this israel palestine war situation please share the episode as much as possible and stay tuned for part 2